Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Albert, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. And today, on this Thursday, I've got myself and I've got Brooks Childress uh, with you here today. Uh, just Ryan and Brooks with you for this final show of the week. Again, a reminder that Auburn softball uh, will be on our airwaves tomorrow. Uh, they will have a doubleheader at 12.30 and 3.00 as they are in Clearwater, Florida. You will hear the triumphant return of J.J. Jackson's voice to this radio station, uh, but uh, you will not be hearing Sports Call tomorrow or for the next several Fridays because of various Auburn softball games. So again, last show of the week, so a lot to do today. We will break down the Auburn and Alabama basketball game, college game day coming to the Plains on Saturday for a basketball game, uh, and that's always a, a fun thing uh, for, to, for, to have Auburn highlighted in that regard, and especially in a sport that uh, used to not be very highlight-worthy for, for the Tigers. So we will break that game down. We'll also start to, or we'll break down the Super Bowl. And again, last show of the week, and so we'll have some Super Bowl prop bets. We'll also break the game down uh, as the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles get set for the Super Bowl this Sunday. Uh, we'll also... Uh, have a giveaway here in just a few minutes for some Auburn gymnastics tickets, so stay tuned for that. We'll take all of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line, as always, birthdays and sports, nightly TV guide, and we will also re-air the interview of head coach Mickey Dean. Again, as the aforementioned Auburn softball team gets set to start their season in Clearwater, we will again re-air that interview that we did with Coach Dean a little bit earlier this week. That will come up in the 4 o'clock hour. Again, a lot to do today. Ryan and Brooks with you here on this Thursday. Brooks, I hope you are well, my friend. Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be back. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff. Good thing we got three hours to get through it all uh, on our show. And, you know, it's uh, can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Uh, yeah, big game coming up this weekend for the Tigers. I have to put that Texas A&M game uh, behind behind them. Uh, Bruce Pearl and some of the players met with media this afternoon. and So we got a little bit of a preview of that game coming up. And it's uh, it's a big one. Alabama coming in. They won last night against Florida. Pretty convincing win over the Gators, too. Knocked, pretty much knocked the Gators off the bubble for now uh, with that loss. And so it's a, uh, it, it's a really important game, not just for you know, the rivalry. It's for momentum with the Tigers. It, it's a big, it could be a big uh, resume-building win for, for Auburn when you look at March coming up here in a few, you know, just a few weeks away, really, uh, since we are in the middle of February already. And so, yeah. Big time coming up here. Big game coming up this weekend with the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Eagles. And then, uh, you know, we, we've we got golf on in the studio. The Waste Management Phoenix Open is this weekend, which is one of the bigger non-major uh, tournaments of the year. Always fun time out there in Phoenix and one of the early spring-ish 
tournaments of the the golf world you know you get the phoenix open and then in a few weeks you'll hit uh the uh the, the players championship down in florida before you start getting into major season in in early april with the masters uh but it, it's going to be it's a fun day of sports call it's a fun day on our airwaves and i hope it is a fun day for everybody out there in our sports call world yeah uh the thing about the waste management phoenix open is this it's the most unique it's got the most unique atmosphere in golf with the 16th hole that par three this it's called uh the stadium hole and uh it's just a really cool dynamic there where scottsdale's probably the only course that it changes how uh how bad you want to play it depending on other people because you want to hear kind of be around that environment because of the 16th hole but then if there's you're just playing it on a random tuesday then there's not going to be anyone in the seats. So yeah. it kind of takes away from some of the uh, luster off of that hole as they're showing the view right now. I mean, there's thousands of people sitting in that one one hole. It's, it's awesome. But, uh, yeah, definitely excited about golf season. Uh, that means the weather will hopefully uh, be nicer uh, than it is today. It's not a bad temperature, but a little rain out there. Uh, and it's going to be very wet this weekend. And uh, could even see a few snow flurries in parts of Alabama by Saturday night. So just a little wink at that. Uh, but uh, I digress. Let's let's get into the non-chilly meet, meeting of Auburn and Alabama on uh, Saturday inside of Neville Arena. And I say not chilly because uh, there's been nothing chilly about the play of Alabama here recently, really all year long at 21-3, and ranked third in the country. They had their way with Florida inside of Coleman Coliseum last night, defeating the Gators 97-69. to Alabama still undefeated in the Southeastern Conference. Their one loss here in the 2023 calendar year was that weirdly bad loss to Oklahoma. And I just say weirdly bad uh, just because it was a 24-point loss um, to the Sooners. But Alabama coming in, it's a 1 o'clock tip, uh, so... It'll be fairly early in the day. Shouldn't really impact the atmosphere, honestly, as uh, atmosphere is still pretty good uh, even in the mid-afternoon. And obviously the, the atmosphere always great in Neville Arena. This is going to be a tough one, though, Brooks, for Auburn. Auburn's got three of their last seven games of the year are against either Alabama or Tennessee. We saw Tennessee lose to Vanderbilt last night, but nevertheless, uh, the schedule remains tough for the most part for Auburn and that includes Alabama. Just how good is this Alabama team? How formidable of a test is this? I mean, they're they're arguably probably the best team in the country, depending on who you, you ask and who you look at. I know Purdue sits up there at number one, and then Houston creeped back up to number two there. But we've seen Alabama beat that Houston team this year already. And then Purdue, it just depends on the day of the week if you you know, you know think that they're the number one team or not because they, they looked like it last week, middle of the week last week, but then they lost to Indiana over the weekend. Was able to hold on to that number one spot, though. So... It really depends on on who you ask. If it, they could be the the best team in the country, I know Brandon Miller continues to play out of his mind. I think he had what twenty four points last night for Alabama, and I think he scored in double digits in like ten straight games or something ridiculous like that. Um, but the, he is he's making his presence known. And probably you know going to be a, could be a lottery pick when it comes to the NBA draft over the summer. Um, that's going to be uh, you know it's a tough talent there for that, for that Auburn's got to go up against that anybody's got to go up against uh and they're just playing a, a good brand of basketball you know they, they they there's not a lot of um 
it, it's not really reliant on Brandon Miller because there has been some games where he has not been the top scorer and he has not been you know on the top of his game and other guys have stepped up. I know uh, you've had a, a, a couple games um, where you've had guys for Alabama on the that's not necessarily you know like like I said not Brandon Miller blanking on some names uh, Noah Clowney's stepped up in some games I know you know last night you had Mark Sears score 19 you had Javon Quinterly score 11 uh, and those guys have stepped up on games that Brandon Miller's kind of had a little bit of step back uh, Charles Bediaco he's a he's a force on the inside and in the paint too and for for Alabama and so they, they've got a gr- good group of players there and they, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough, but I, I think the, the good news for Auburn is the first time you're seeing them this year, you're getting them inside Neville Arena, and you're getting them in front of your home crowd, so you've got a, you've got a shot. The way that Auburn's played these last couple games, you could work on your defense a little bit better, need to work a little bit on your shot making, but, uh, you know, they almost knocked off Tennessee, which we saw that Tennessee team get knocked off last night by Vanderbilt. Uh you you almost knocked off Tennessee. You should have, probably could have, uh, could have, probably should have won that Texas A&M game uh, earlier this week. And you got a chance to take and get Alabama in your house. And there's a real shot to win it. I'm not saying the the you know I'm not. Uh, I'll save my prediction for later in the 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 show. But you, Auburn's got a real shot at winning this basketball game uh, on on Saturday afternoon. So some of the traits of Alabama, and obviously when they're as good of a team as they are. Uh, they're going to have uh, very favorable numbers in a lot of different aspects. Uh, a couple of the most notable ones, three-pointers and rebounding, and because these are things that Auburn has kind of struggled with this year. Obviously, Auburn, when we're talking offensive statistics, they've had a lot of struggles there. Alabama attempts the fourth-most threes in the entire country. They attempt about 29 threes point per game. That's a characteristic of a Nate Oates team that has really shown up throughout the years. That's his style of play. He wants a lot of three-pointers. He's kind of an analytics guy uh, in that sense. They shoot them pretty well, 35.5%. It's one of the best marks. I believe it's the second best in the SEC behind Kentucky. There might be another team in there, but Kentucky uh, is ahead of them in three-point shooting, but that's about it. Alabama at 35.5% from three, so a a fairly good three-point percentage. Uh, especially given how many they attempt. And then the other part of their team that I think is troublesome uh, in particular is rebounding. They are 16th in the NCAA uh, in the country in rebounding margin. Uh, so that they do a good job. Obviously, the, the, their defense, they're not going to have uh, or they're going to produce more opportunities to rebound the ball with how well they score it. It's not many opportunities for the other team to rebound the ball, but margin gives you an idea uh, of how – Uh, well within their games they do and they're 16th in margin they have been a very good rebounding team throughout the year and I think that's something at times that Auburn uh, as a team could do uh, a little bit better job in because they've got a couple of good individually good rebounders I feel that Janai Broom is a really good rebounder I feel that for his position Alan Flanagan is a really good rebounder but you have small guards and you have a little bit of a size discrepancy in certain positions, and that has given Auburn some sort of trouble. Again, Alabama said 16th in margin. They're 14th in the country in offensive rebounding, and that's something I felt in Tennessee. Tennessee bought a couple of extra possessions throughout the game just by size and just by rebounding. And so beyond the obvious of Brandon Miller and some of the things that Alabama does very well, they're a very good offensive team. 
Uh, they're good in just about every area. But I think the two most troubling areas for this game in particular, three-point shooting because we know that Alabama does it a lot. They do it pretty well. Auburn shoots a decent amount but does not do it well. That's a that's a point of emphasis that Auburn yeah. is just not likely to, to add up very well against Alabama on Saturday. And then the rebounding uh, because, again, Auburn – uh, has a couple of really good individual rebounders, but they've allowed uh, – they've usually – it's been close, but they usually allow a couple extra offensive rebounds than they themselves get. And then Alabama, again, being top 20 in the country in both offensive rebounding and rebound margin, uh, those are the two areas, Brooks, where I, where I look at and say Auburn's going to have to find a way to be as even as possible in those areas. There's other other ways for Auburn to do good things. But they can't let Alabama get their 33-pointers off and make 12 of them, and then they can't give up 9, 10, 12 offensive rebounds. Yeah, got to be good at contesting those three-pointers, getting their getting Alabama's faces, because they're going to take them. That's what Nate Oates does. That's Nate Oates' offense. So you, you got to make sure that you do not give them open looks. you got to contest those three-pointers. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're Auburn – and I know we, we talked about it this with the Texas A&M game where Texas A&M was physical and Auburn got called for – uh, got called for some foul, you know, quite a few fouls, probably more than they they act, you know should have been, or it maybe not more than they should have been, but it, it should have evened out on the other side of things, and it wasn't. If you're Auburn, I you know maybe you get get on the physical side of things, and you go right at Alabama and make them you know foul you and make them uh, send you to the free throw line and kind of you know kind of do what Texas A&M did to you because it worked on it worked on Auburn. Uh, and you also know from looking at you know uh, this Alabama team, they're not the same Alabama team at home as they are on the road. When you look at the women, when they're at home, they're blowing people out. They're running people out of the gym. When they go on the road, they're still winning, but it's closer. That Vanderbilt team pushed them. That Vanderbilt team that beat Tennessee last night pushed them a little bit. Uh, this LSU team that we saw them beat by 50 a few weeks ago at home pushed them a little bit on sa- uh, Saturday night when they were down in uh, on the Bayou. They're, they're, they went on the road to Oklahoma. That that was the clunker game that they had uh, a couple weeks ago. And so you can take advantage of you know a, a team like the, this Alabama team not playing the same that they do uh, on the road as they do at home. And uh, you know if if you do all those things, you 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 know tighten up the your own shooting and tighten up your defense a little bit. Like I said a little bit ago, you, you've got a chance to win a basketball game. One other st- uh, stat for you here before we go to our first timeout. Uh, turnover battle. This is something I believe Auburn can take advantage of. We just told you a couple of things that they're going to have to kind of hold on for dear life with. Auburn turns it over at 12.7 times per game. Uh, that is an okay rate. That That's probably middle of the pack ultimately. Alabama is a little bit more carefree with the basketball, over 14 turnovers a game. So about a, a turnover and a half more per game in Alabama. Yes, it's not a huge differential there, but if you're looking at things that Auburn does slightly better than Alabama, taking care of the basketball is actually one of them. And so combining that with the knowledge that Auburn does have a solid defense, it has had its moments of being very disruptive, forced a lot of turnovers, for example, uh, in the uh, Texas A&M game, I believe. I think it was 20 in that game or, or, or one of these last two games. Maybe it was the Tennessee game. One of those two games that they forced 20 turnovers in. That might be a pathway to steal some possessions from Alabama, kind of counteract that uh, offensive rebounding prowess for the Tide. We'll, we'll break this game down more uh, as we go through this show. But for now, we got to go to our first timeout when we come back, birthdays and sports, and also the Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, is active so we'll get your phone calls in right after this you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call
the Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childers with you here on this Thursday. Again, a chat with head coach Mickey Dean of the Auburn softball program coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. That previously aired on Tuesday. We'll air it again because we will not have a show tomorrow because of Auburn softball having a doubleheader. Very excited for their season to start. So we'll re-air that interview coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. For now, though, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's list is a good one. We'll start off with Vladimir Guerrero, who turns 48. Former MLB right fielder, designated hitter. Played for the Montreal Expos, Anaheim Angels, Texas Rangers, and Baltimore Orioles. Nine-time All-Star, 2004 American League MVP, eight-time Silver Slugger, member of the Angels Hall of Fame, member of the Baseball Hall of Fame, and uh, has a son that is quite good at the sport, too. He is a little good. And uh, they used to nickname Vladimir Guerrero Bad Vlad because he could hit uh, a pitch in the dirt at his head. Over in the other batter's box, I, I certainly remember a clip of it hit of a of a pitch hitting the ground, and him hitting a base hit in the left field on a pitch to hit the dirt. Pretty remarkable stuff. One of the great hitters of all time. Vladimir Guerrero turns forty eight today. I'm sure he frustrated a lot of hitting coaches because it's like something's like at your your eye eye level. They're like, don't swing, don't swing. He's like, no, nope, I'm just going to take this to left. Yep, yep exactly. Saquon Barkley turns 26, current running back for the New York Giants, selected second overall in the 2018 NFL Draft by the Giants out of Penn State. We are. Two-time Pro Bowler. Sorry, I almost uh, didn't let you go there. 2018 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, 2018 Pro Football Writer Association All-Rookie Team. At Penn State, he was a consensus All-American and two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year two-time first-team All-Big Ten, and one-time second-team All-Big Ten. Saquon Barkley, good to see him healthy this year. Oh, yeah. Turns 26 today. I'm sure a, a lot of fantasy football owners were happy to see him healthy this year, too. Very much so. Jair Alexander turns 26, current cornerback for the Green Bay Packers, selected 18th overall in the 2018 NFL Draft out of Louisville. Let's go Cards. Two-time second-team All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, 2018 Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team at Louisville. Alexander was a 2016 second team all ACC from second team all conference to uh, second team all pro. Jair Alexander turns 26 today. Just a second teamer kind of guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, even even though uh, the second team compared to, what, 12 other teams in the ACC and second team compared to the 31 other best teams in the NFL, uh, still an elevation there. Jalen Green turns 21, current shooting guard for the Houston Rockets, selected second overall in the 2021 NBA Draft by the Rockets from the NBA G League Ignite. 
come up with a mascot there, I dare you. Also, a 2020 McDonald's All-American almost went to Auburn. Get paid! <laughs> was the two, 2018 FIBA Under-17 World Cup MVP in high school. Jalen Green turns 21. So Vladimir Guerrero turns 48. Saquon Barkley, 26. Jair Alexander, 26. And Jalen Green, 21. Those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. All right, let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good, gentlemen. Uh, how's your day been going? Uh, very busy, but uh, but good overall. Good. All right, I know this is a, our substitute fun Friday, so I had mentioned to you guys about a uh, prop that to turn first, it was it actually was intended to be a uh, a prank. And I don't know if you had any chance to read about it or not. Uh, I don't think so. We did look. Uh, is this about the Super Bowl? Yes. We did. We do have some Super Bowl props lined up for later, but I don't know if we we looked up this one in particular. Okay. Well, this came uh, from uh, the 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 NFL, actually from uh, Bleach Report. So I read it, and apparently. Uh, this person uh, put on his Twitter account, uh, apparently was pretty sophisticated, and made it look like it was an authentic uh, NFL stat sheet uh, that had all these uh, stats and everything, and the score uh, predicted to be uh, 37-34 the Eagles for the Super Bowl. And so people uh, thought it was a legitimate and authentic you know, score prediction because, you know, that other – a podcast that said everything was scripted, right? You know that it was a joke. Well, people took this to heart, conspiracy theorists, anyway. And so now this is actually a prop. In fact, is the most for, fourth popular prop I've read uh, from, uh, uh, from from DraftKings uh, for the Super Bowl. Uh, the score being thirty-seven to thirty-four. So there you have it. Well, started out as a prank, now is now a legitimate prop. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, props so, can become literally anything. I mean, well, we, you, you can have some that are game-related, and then you can have some that are just <laughs> have absolutely nothing to do with the game. Exactly. Uh, speaking of props, there's this uh, Ph.D. guy who's a uh, uh, statistical analyst, and uh, he does sports uh, analysts, and I guess you can pay if you want, but he gives me freebies, his email. I've mentioned his name before. He's called Ed Fing, F-E-N-G. Well, I got one of his emails today. I've been following him. His freebies, you know, freebies are not necessarily your best picks because you'll pay for them, but he's been doing like uh, 75 to 80% correct uh, in the NFL. So these are the props I want to bring to your attention, okay? And he talks about interceptions. All right. Well, apparently, according to his deeper analytics, uh, Patrick Mahomes is much better than Jalen Hurts when it comes to interceptions. The reason being, he said, because he looked at these stats that come from NFL, he looks at uh, balls that are thrown, they're defended, and that either are intercepted or just are incomplete. And what he found out was that apparently Mahomes does much better at avoiding interception because he doesn't throw them as often as Joe Burrow does into double coverage or into tight coverage. Interesting. I, I wouldn't have guessed that because Mahomes, in my opinion, takes some chances with the football uh, when he rolls out and and throws it across his body and, and, and that sort of thing. I, I, I would have thought he, he puts it in more peril. 
Okay, well, it says here, he says, when I look at the bad ball rates for two Super Bowl quarterbacks compared to the NFL average, Mahomes is 8.4%, Jalen Hurts is 11.4%. And uh, he goes on to say, Patrick Mahomes is elite in not putting the ball in dangerous situations. Has he, he has a bad ball rate of about 30, 32% lower than the NFL average. And uh, for that, he says, uh, he believes Kansas City has an edge uh, in that department. So um, you have that one. He also has a, another prop uh, to look at, and, uh, and that has to do with the uh, longest field goal. The uh, record for the longest field goal against these two teams is best uh, likely to happen with the Chiefs. With uh, Harrison Butker, their kicker. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Do you guys know that? That, he has, that, that the Chiefs are most likely to have the longest uh, field goal? Uh, I, I believe the kicker for the Eagles is Jake Elliott, and he has a big leg, too. Uh, Butker has been a little bit more renowned, but also Butker has had some struggles because he's been injured at times this year. So, uh, honestly, I, I didn't think didn't think of there being a big kick advantage. Okay. All right, sticking with uh, the Super Bowl guys, here's some other interesting stats. Uh, they almost, like, conflict each other. You know, the over and under is, I think, 50 or 15 and a half right now. Yeah. The total? All right. Well, uh, if you want to bet the over – uh, this comes from Vegas Insider. Their experts, uh, one of them took the over, says that uh, the the game should go anywhere between 20 to 22 possessions uh, uh, for, for both teams. And he says that Kansas City's red zone defense, didn't know this, is the third worst at 65% in the NFL. I think that's something they talked about in the, uh, the Bengals-Chiefs game that it was going to be very important for both defenses to – try and hang in there in the red zone and that the Chiefs had not been very good at doing that. Obviously they improved against the Bengals, but uh that they were yeah, that has been documented a little bit. Okay, he goes on to say the Chiefs have given up uh a lot of points, um, including thirty one to your team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twenty nine to the Vegas uh, to Raiders, and uh he said they, they they'll give them up uh, in the red zone defense. Now, having said that, then another one of their experts takes the opposite slant. He's uh, taking the under. Why is he taking the under? Because these are kind of like conflicting. But uh, there is a team that's going to be officiating the game, guys. You know, we talked about officiating. Right. Uh, when it comes to Auburn and Fowles. Didn't know this one. Carl Sheffer is going to be the lead uh, official in the, uh, this game for Super Bowl. And according to these people's uh, I guess deeper analytics, this particular team headed by Carl Schaefer have called more penalties than any other crew in the NFL for the past two seasons. Yeah, I think I saw, uh, I think I saw that earlier and I, I wasn't a huge fan of it cause I'm very much more of a let them play, uh, in the Super Bowl and in the late rounds of the playoffs. But, uh, I mean, th- that, that certainly does trend towards more, net poor, more penalties. Now that can, mean either way i mean that could mean pass interferences or illegal contacts and, and all that or it could mean offensive holds and, and and that sort of thing we'll we'll just have to see which which kind of penalty gets called a lot right well he, he this uh, expert vegas guy uh, brought this uh, stat up because he says 
the Shepherds team have been uh, since he's been the head referee. He's been the head referee for 12 playoff games since 2010 and 11. Of those 12 games, have stayed under the total by an average of 13 points per game. Wow, all of them under. Uh, I'll read it again. Uh, since Shepherds has been the head referee for 12 playoff games since 2010, 11 of those 12 playoff okay. games stayed under the total by an average of 13 points. Well, that's still pretty uh, and pretty incredible, though. Then, so I, that seems to me then that the penalties are definitely influencing uh, the offense more than the defense. Right. All right. So we'll leave that alone. Um, I'm pulling from Holmes just because Jalen Hurts. He's an Alabama player, and I like my Holmes anyway. Uh, and uh, guys, have you heard any injury updates on either uh, the quarterbacks? Uh, not specifically. I think both teams at this point would be very mole about it anyway uh, because it really doesn't behoove them to talk about what might be what might be their quarterback status they're going to play and that's the important thing and I personally don't think either one's going to be far off a hundred percent they both played in the conference championship round they both played well so I I don't expect injuries to to be uh, a, a very big part of this all right um Let's go to our game Saturday, guys. Uh, I listened to the podcast last night, and I know that Cam and Tom uh, both, I think one of them said they reluctantly were picking us to, to win. I think it was Cam, wasn't it? Uh, I don't. I know they both said single-digit Auburn win. I don't remember which phrasing was used for which. Yeah. So my concern, you didn't bring this up, so I want to ask you about this, Ryan, if you have this or, or Brooks, uh, the stat is free throws. Do you know what the stat is uh, at this point with Alabama, how often they go to the free throw line, and what's their uh, makes for uh, percentage of uh, making free throws? Uh, I, I've got the number in front of me last, for last night. Last night they went to the line 15 times, hit 10, so that's 66.7% on the, uh, for, at least for last night. I'm, I think Ryan's getting up the season stats. I don't know the attempts off the top of my head. I know Alabama is around 72 or 73% uh, from the line as a team this year. Uh, that's a, a few percent better than Auburn. It's not quite as good as A&M. I'll have to uh, research just how often they get there. I, I would say my educated guess says they don't take a lot of free throws because they shoot so many threes. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're fourth in the country and three-point attempts per game. So if you're shooting yeah. a lot of threes, you're not usually driving as much. Right. Do you happen to know by chance who is their best free-throw shooter? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you what. I'm going to have to uh, eat some crow here because I just looked up free-throw attempts per game. Bama is 10th in the country in free-throw attempts per game. They, they shoot uh, 24 free-throws a game. Uh, so despite shooting threes, I guess when they do drive, they, they drive to, to seek out some contact. Uh, as far as their best free throw shooter, uh, they've got a couple of guys in the 80s, uh, which are some of their main players. Uh, Brandon Miller shoots 82%. Mark Sears shoots 83%. And Javon, Quinterly? Yeah, Javon Quinterly off the bench shoots 83% as well. So they got three guys that shoot uh, at least 80% from the foul line. Okay. who Who is – the one person probably that uh, always should avoid as much as possible uh, to foul among those people. Well, I mean, Miller's the best player, and, and all three of them, like I said, Miller, Sears, and Quinterly. Quinterly's not had a very good year. He's only averaging seven or eight points a game off the bench. But but Miller and Sears, um, they're their two leading scorers. Uh, Miller is going to be 
a top five or six pick in the NBA draft. And so he's the best player. So you worry about him first. And, of course, I've used this example. They beat Houston with Brandon Miller not hitting a single field goal. So it really does not mean you win the game just because you stop Brandon Miller. But he is the best player. So if uh, there's two forms of thought. You could always as uh, try and limit the best player and try to not have him have 30 points, as Auburn has allowed that a few times this year. Or you can say to yourself, well, Brandon Miller is going to get his. He's going to score no matter what. Let's make sure their second and third best players don't get going. So Auburn could very much go to Sears and then Noah Clowney, uh, who also averages 10 a game, and try and shut those guys down and just kind of let Brandon Miller be. So if you were to make a line, because the line hadn't come out yet that I've seen, what do you think uh, the line will be in terms of uh, the spread and in terms of uh, the total of low-scoring game, high-scoring game? What kind of total would you put and what kind of spread do you think? Things come up with. Alabama's a pretty high scoring team, and I know Auburn isn't, but at least Auburn has, uh, a, what, in three of their last four games scored 77 or more. I think West Virginia, Texas A&M, and Georgia, obviously they had an absolute clunker in there with Tennessee, but I, I, I lean towards, I think Alabama will be favored. Uh, I think they will be favored by a very low margin, maybe two to three points. Uh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. I thought maybe it'll be by six points. No, I, I think because it's in Auburn, uh, I think it will be just just a basket or so, and then I, I think the total. Oh man, one um, forties, something in the low to mid one forties. You know, a seventy four to seventy type of game, uh, something in there. Again, Bama averages in the low to mid eighties. Auburn averages in the, I think the mid seventies, but. Uh, obviously, a lot of those point totals get bloated because of weak non-conference games where teams put up a lot of points, although Bama's put up 90-plus several times in conference play. But uh, I think being on the road, I don't think Bama will go up into the 90s. So something in the something in the 75-70 to 70 range, 74-70 to 70 range, so something in there. Okay. I heard some of the tickets going for up to $300. Is that right? Yeah, the, the get-in price on last check, and I can look again, uh, was like 150 or so, but there was plenty of tickets for you know, up in the 300s, like you said. Uh, so, so definitely a hot ticket. Uh, as I try and look for the current get-in price via StubHub, uh, so it looks like general admission row two. So that's standing room only. Standing room only get-in is 111 uh, right now on StubHub. The cheapest ticket is 248 in the upper level. Wow. Okay. Well, either you gentlemen be going either on a professional basis or just on your own, uh, you know, entertainment uh, basis. Brooks will be going uh, in a professional capacity, and then uh, I might have to do some other things here at work on Saturday. So uh, I w- I will not be at that game, and uh, Brooks will be uh, uh, be in the in the uh, excuse me mind blank in yeah. media row there. Yeah. Do you know if uh, Mr. Barkley will be by chance there? I don't know that. I, I would think there's a good shot at it. This would be the, the time to do it with College Game Day. You know, sometimes ESPN likes to interview him, so he might be a part of College Game Day, given that it is in Auburn. So I, I, I would be, I would be surprised if he wasn't. I, I, I will say it's probably better than fifty percent chance that he is here. Yeah. Uh, Move on real quickly. Um, if Anthony, if you're listening to this game, to the show today, um, and you want to call in, you're welcome to it. Uh, 
I'd be more than glad to risk whatever you want to risk uh, to take on your 50-point, just outrageously uh, point spread that you think will be beaten by. So you're invited, uh, and I'll keep my word. Whatever you want to risk, I will risk it with you because that is not going to happen. We may lose the game, but not by 50 points. So there you go, Anthony. Uh, I'll call you out on it. All right, real quickly, guys, uh, thinking with a – uh, real quick with our football team, the Amazons, you know, celebrating 50 years uh, last year, uh, their uh, 72 uh, Amazons team. Well, there was a book signing. I may have mentioned to you, the book is called Teammates for Life by Mr. Jeff Miller, graduate from Auburn and a uh, sports writer. I think you did. Uh, went, right. I met uh, with five of the uh, former teammates of that team, including uh, Bill Newton's brother, Bob Newton, uh, Mr. Mike Gates, uh, Danny Sansbury. It was really good just to see them as real individuals and hear some of their, uh, I guess, stories about what happened during the season, especially during the game. Uh, the reason I mention them, they're going to be uh, having a uh, autograph, a book signing, uh, at a book called Auburn All Company Booksellers. Yeah, right downtown. Yes, yeah, it's going to be this February, uh, February the 11th, and it'll be from 10 a.m. to noon, and also David Housel will be in attendance uh, along with Jeff Miller for that book signing if anybody wants to go to it. It's a big event. So I just want to bring that up. And real quickly, I saw where the uh, SEC coaches are picking Auburn to be sixth in the West, and none of our players made even the first or second uh, teams. I thought, wow, um, that's a, kind of a, a slight uh, to the uh, Auburn team players there. I thought we might make at least a second team. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to scour uh, the rest of the conference to, to, to look at all the players on there. Uh, keeping up with, with every team's group of players is a little bit more uh, difficult in, in baseball, just a little less attention on it than some of the other sports. But, uh, I, again, Auburn is consistently uh, ranked pretty low in the preseason. Uh, most times that has not ended up what's happened. Uh, so we'll we'll see if Auburn can prove them wrong again. Okay, and finally, uh, on this date in 1971, according to the History Channel, a gentleman by the name of Leroy Satchel Page became the first Negro League veteran that was nominated for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And later that, uh, that year, he was actually inducted into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. And he was born where? In Mobile, Alabama. Absolutely. One of the best players, I'd say one of the best players, black or white, uh, in the history of uh, Major League Baseball. All right. With that said, guys, uh, Ms. Brookfielders, I hope you have an enjoyable time. And whatever you're doing, uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy, uh, I hope you have a, a safe and relaxing uh, weekend as well. So, guys, uh, I'm hoping to hear from Anthony. Uh, Anthony, the offer's standing there for you, man. So please uh, feel free to call and take me up on it. Until uh, Monday, guys. We'll talk to you then, and hopefully it'll be celebrating a win over the Bammers. So, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, that is retired War AMC, joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. One final timeout. Back to wrap up our number one right after this. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Welcome back to the Sports Call on this Thursday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here. Just a couple minutes left in our number one. Appreciate Retired Ward MC for joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. If you'd like to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 A little bit later in the show, as mentioned, we will re-air uh, the interview with head Auburn softball coach Mickey Dean. The team has made it to Clearwater they open their season tomorrow. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, some Super Bowl prop bets. We've got 10 or 12 listed out here, some pertaining to the game, some absolutely not pertaining to the game, but looking forward to the Super Bowl this Sunday between the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, like I said, just a few minutes left. A busy time uh, of the sports calendar right now. Uh, Auburn women's basketball playing number one South Carolina tonight, that one in Neville Arena. The first meeting went about how you thought it would uh, when playing the number one team in the country, but Auburn gets another crack at them tonight. Also, Tiger Talk will be right here, 6 o'clock on Tiger 95.9 instead of FM Talk 93.9, and they will be doing that one live uh, from the arena tonight. So looking forward uh, to that. And then, of course, uh, mentioned softball getting going, the Auburn and Alabama game on Saturday. Uh, there will be another women's basketball game on Super Bowl Sunday. That's right. Uh, which, again, I, I no offense, I would, I would say to not schedule any other <laughs> sporting events of any kind on the day of the Super Bowl, but that's just me. At least get them over earlier in the day. Right, at least you know, start it at noon, have us done by 2 or 3. Uh, but nevertheless, there are two women's basketball games coming up up over the next few days uh, and then next week as steve alluded to baseball uh, brooks and i know you went to to hear from butch thompson a little bit earlier uh, i believe it was last week and i know that auburn baseball fired up for another season and also uh news earlier this week that the board did approve uh those new renovations to plains and park just uh, a little bit about how exciting that is and just the uh, attempted growth here around Auburn baseball after hosting a regional last year and making another College World Series. Yeah, it's uh, there's a, there's a lot of excitement around this uh, this baseball program. Like we uh, last week, I think it was about a week ago now. Um, we got to hear from head coach Butch Thompson. I know some of the media members got to hear from the assistant coaches today. So Gabe Gross, uh, David Schoenrock, and Carl Nunnemaker all met with the media in kind of a roundtable discussion earlier today. Um, and I, I know the Auburn Sports Network, they've got a uh, – they posted earlier today the special edition of This Week in Auburn Baseball ve- featuring all three of those assistants um, is, is on, you know, on their podcast feed now. And so, you know, it, it's, it's really important. Coach Thompson talked uh, last week about how it was about the midway point of the, of the conference season last year where he looked at his team and said, hey, this is make or break time. Like this is – this is the most important, you know, couple weeks in our schedule. He said he, he, he last week he said this is our most important. Uh, he, he said he looked at the team and said these next two weeks are the most important uh, of this season. And so this this pre you know pre working uh, preseason camp working out here. Uh, I know they've got some some scrimmages scheduled for this weekend that are, I think are open to the public at Plainsman Park. And so it's uh, it's exciting. We're we're one week, uh, you know, just over a week away from Auburn baseball, one day away from Auburn softball, and so crossover season, as we like to call it, is here with basketball and, and the the, the uh, basis sports getting started. Absolutely, spring sports season right around the corner. 
Uh, we certainly had a little bit of the spring weather earlier this week. Yes. Uh, we will digress back into uh, 50s and 40s in the coming days, but nevertheless, it is right around the corner. There is also one more Auburn Athletics event taking place this weekend that I absolutely did not forget about because as we go to break here to end our number one, we have four tickets for you to Auburn Gymnastics as they take on LSU inside of Neville Arena this Friday night, 7.30. Be the first caller right now at 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Again, 334-887-3401, and you can win four tickets to Auburn Gymnastics against LSU inside of Neville Arena this Friday night at 7.30. Out of time here for hour number one. More sports call coming up after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call kicking off right now. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on, again, this final show of the week. Auburn softball coming up tomorrow at 1230 as they take on, I believe, St. John's first in Clearwater, Florida. Games at 12:30 and 3. So that means we will not have a show tomorrow. So this is the last show of the week. So again, as we progress through the, these next two hours, we'll continue to break down Alabama and Auburn inside of Neville Arena on Saturday. Also, the Super Bowl between Kansas City and Philadelphia. As uh, that one coming up on Sunday evening. And uh, a lot to still talk about here in the final two hours of the show. Also, again, we'll re-air the Mickey Dean interview from earlier this week. That comes up a little bit later this hour. But let's talk a little college basketball again. We've already talked a little bit about Auburn and Alabama. And just trying to go over some of these games from last night because in particular there was a stunner uh, in the SEC. And really just teams involving Auburn in a way Last night were the culprits of the two biggest upsets. Not only did Vanderbilt beat number six Tennessee at the buzzer, uh, imagine what can happen when a three-point shot is not uh, contested with a foul, not called at the end of the game against Tennessee. And then West Virginia defeats number 11 Iowa State 76-71 to uh, up in Morgantown 
kind of cementing that West Virginia is kind of moving off that bubble and well into the NCAA tournament. So uh, a couple big wins there. The relevance is, of course, the SEC standings in regards to that Vandy and Tennessee game. Uh, the fact that the West Virginia game uh, ends up still just stinging a little bit more because of how quality of a win that could have been. And then also the realization, as you pointed out earlier this week, Brooks, when we were talking about the SEC as a whole, uh, that Vanderbilt has a little, a few more chops to them than what their record might meet the eye. Uh, if they're able to beat uh, Tennessee in Nashville, well, Auburn, that is not a home game for the Tigers. They have to go uh, to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. And so all of a sudden that game is still, I'm going to say, a game that Auburn should win, but I'm not going to put it in the back pocket necessarily uh, as, a, uh, as an obvious uh, you know, not, no contest there. Uh, but what did you make there of that Vandy team beating Tennessee and just this kind of midweek action in the SEC where Kentucky took another hit after getting some momentum and uh, Florida, who gets on the bubble and then promptly gets bopped. Mississippi State has a real winning streak now. Now they're back on the bubble. Just what do you make of the, this midweek SEC action? Listen, I don't want to toot my own horn. I, I, don't, I don't like to do that. But That's I'm gonna, why I tooted I'm, for you. I'm going to yeah. do it. Uh, earlier this week, we were talking, you know, it was the uh, it was the Monday show. I think we were talking about all this. And I there were two observations that I made, and they both kind of came to fruition this week. I said Vanderbilt was a team that's been playing better than what their record says. They've, they've tr- tested a few teams. Now, I, uh, you know, you, you look at that game last night, um, I, I – it, it kind of felt like it was trending that way for Tennessee anyway to get a loss here soon. Uh, you saw them lose last week to Florida, and you saw that the the they did beat Auburn, but it was not pretty. And you really, you know, you were like, you just kind of, you know, if you were a Tennessee fan, I'm sure you just sat there and you're like, ew, that's just that was not a you know not a clean win. And so the, it kind of felt like it was you know setting up for for an upset. Vanderbilt's still not a team that's uh you know a, any you know going to challenge anybody. Uh, when it comes to you know the probably the SEC tournament, they're not going to be a high seed. They'll probably play day one, uh, but they're still if, if they had a couple more uh, key pieces on that on that roster, I think that they could they can make some noise um, in in the SEC. And we saw them knock off Tennessee. I also said earlier this week uh, on Monday that I didn't think that the, that Kentucky had fully found themselves. I, I said I felt like there was you know still a, a couple games coming down the stretch here that. You know they could drop and you know set someone else up to get into that top four area. Uh, for uh, in, I don't know if Tennessee's not or t- Kentucky's not in the top four right now, but uh, in the upper half of the SEC they could finish you know around the the midway point of the the conference. And lo and behold, uh, an Arkansas team that we we talked about earlier this week that's been really subpar from what we thought this Arkansas team was going to be walked in to Rupp and uh, and took them down. And so it just shows one. It shows how much of a parity there is in the league this year. That really, you know, any given night, and I know you know Bruce Pearl and coaches have talked about it all the time in, in college basketball. Any given night, somebody can beat anybody can beat anybody in this league. But you know, when you when you look at it, you you expect you walk in and you're like, all right, we're you know this team is going to beat Ole Miss. This team is going to beat Vanderbilt. It you know we, you, there are certain teams that you look at and you're like, yeah, they're they're probably not going to get many wins this year. It, they could pull off an upset, but but this this year it really feels like anybody can beat anybody on any given night, uh, and we saw that this week. Arkansas trying to right their ship a little bit, heading toward March, uh, got a big win against Kentucky, and then Vanderbilt, who is you know like I said, a, a team that's I think just a couple pieces away from really being a a, te- a problem in the conference, got a win over Tennessee, and 
you know, now the what what's uh, you know not great for Auburn, uh, but what could be really good uh, for Vanderbilt is if they put together, you know, they beat Tennessee. Uh, what does their the rest of their schedule look like? Um, Coming up here is they play Auburn next weekend. You get Florida at home, or you go to Florida and you go to South Carolina. If you can put together a couple, you know, another win here, if you can beat South Carolina and you can, uh, you know, you've got a chance to beat Florida or you can make it a close game, you've got Auburn coming into your house next Saturday and you've got some momentum there. And that's not a good thing uh, for Auburn, especially playing in that gym up there. That gym always seems to give one everybody problems, but Auburn specifically seems that there, there's always problems in that, that gym because it's just, it's such a cavernous gym. The court is weird, the, the benches are on the baselines. Um, Vandy, you know, they could put together a couple wins here and, and start to look like, a, you know, they got some momentum going into next season. Yeah, it's like an auditorium, basically, yeah. where you've got the elevated cord and you got the the, the seats that kind of go straight back instead of I mean there's a little elevation obviously but mostly back instead of mostly up and it, it is the obvious feature of it is of course the the, the benches on the baseline but uh, some teams don't react well and they did get Tennessee to good time because Tennessee has three straight poor offensive games I know 65 is not as poor as they've been but 46 against Auburn, 46 really in general should not win many games, and then 50-something at Florida. So Tennessee's offense has taken a dive to start uh, this month of February, and they've gone from a team that I thought was right on the heels of Alabama at the top of the league to now clearly being a ring below. And uh, honestly, I was talking, I think yesterday or the day before, the days blend together, but I, I was talking about why the league is slipped a little bit is that there's not – many of those teams in like a tier B there's tier A and then you skip to tier C yeah well I'm actually thinking there is a team in tier B because they're falling from tier A I don't think Tennessee is a tier A team anymore they are an excellent defensive team they are probably one of the three best defensive teams in the country maybe the best if you look at some of their metrics there and their field goal defense but their offense has plummeted again in recent days after that strangely good game against Texas where they had 80 or 82 and their offense just does not seem trustworthy at the moment. Their offense keeps playing like that. That They'll struggle to make it out of the first weekend, to be quite honest with you. They'll have trouble in the 2-7 or 3-6 matchup, whatever it will be for them in the round of 32. So I, I think Tennessee is dropping off a tier A into tier B, leaving Alabama alone. And that's how this, the standings look. Alabama is 11-0 in the conference. Next is A&M at 9-2. and A&M has still been on the bubble as of late, just for, for reference here. I believe they're a tournament team. I think they should make it. They're 9-2 and in the Southeastern Conference. They're second in the league. Well, they were, that, they were the team last year that everybody said should have been in the tournament, right. and they just they missed out on it. They got disrespected last year after making that SEC tournament run. Now they're making their run much earlier. They're making it throughout the totality of SEC play. But nevertheless, their resume is still not as bulky as some, and therefore they're still around that 10 line, just barely into the NCAA tournament at the moment. So they're second. That's second in the SEC as a team that is perceived as a bubble team right now. Then Tennessee is third after that loss. Then the tie for fourth between Auburn, who cannot buy a close game at the moment, and Kentucky, who has been on and off dysfunctional all season. Again, we, the first two weeks of conference play, were wondering if they were going to face plan into a 500 team that would miss the tournament and have no choice but to try and usher Coach Cal out of there. And then they went on a, uh, a nice winning streak. I think they'd won six in a row in the SEC until Tuesday night's tilt 
in Rupp against Arkansas, where pretty even game for the first 25 minutes or so, then Arkansas pulls away in the last 10 or 15 minutes. There's just a lot of average to slightly above average basketball teams in this conference. And there's going to be a lot of really important resume games because not everyone's going to get in. I mean, when when you start to look at teams like, again, uh, Texas A&M, a team like Mississippi State, a team like Arkansas even, that's a big win for them to go to Kentucky and win. Prior to that, if they lose that game, drop to 16-8. and eight. Again, that's the type of team that's very much – uh, bubble problematic and there's four or five sec teams that ultimately might make the ncaa tournament but should not feel safe Re- I, to be quite honest with you i only think two ta- two teams should be completely safe right now and obviously that's alabama and tennessee even auburn even a&m despite being nine and two in the league even kentucky they should not feel safe now auburn i think as long as they take care of the old miss game a now increasingly difficult test in Nashville against Vanderbilt, and they take care of uh, what is that third game, Missouri at home, which, by the way, not an easy game. Missouri's one of those bubble-ish teams, too. If they win those three games, I think it'll be enough for them. They'll have 20 wins. Uh, It'll be close. It'll be uncomfortable, but I think it will be enough. But to really be confident in your tournament security you got to win one like against Alabama at home or go to Rupp as others have done and go beat Kentucky at Kentucky or or come back and, and beat Tennessee, avenge that painful loss in Knoxville a week ago and beat Tennessee in the final game of the year in Neville Arena. They're going to have to get one of those to be secure, secure excuse me, and to prevent themselves from feeling like they need to win a game in the SEC tournament. What we have seen, though, as we're breaking it down a little bit here, the, the prospects of the bubble and the NCAA tournament. What we've seen, though, is the NCAA tur- uh, tournament committee undervalues the conference tournaments. And I remember going on a pedestal about this last year when AM did not get in. And, and p- people ultimately are right to point out, like, in the scheme of things, this is the 60-something best team, and... They should have done more, and they're not going to go win the championship. They're probably not even going to advance very far. Why does it care? Well, again, I want you, – you have decisions to make, and my yeah. preference in this life is if there is a decision to be made, you make the correct one regardless on how significant it is. Just because something is less significant doesn't mean all of a sudden, all of a sudden I want it to be wrong. And so when we look at this tournament committee – they have consistently undervalued the results of the SEC tournament or, or of any tournament. I should yeah. just say SEC, but in that case, the SEC tournament. And so I say you, you get 20 and then you get a conference tournament win, and that should be plenty enough. But we see the conference tournament results, other than obviously the automatic qualifiers, when the NCAA has no choice to put in the conference tournament winner, they don't seem to matter that much, which has always been weird to me because what simulates the NCAA tournament more than a neutral site tournament yeah. where all these teams of the same conference play each other and and say this team lost it on the road but won at home? Well, now here's a here's part three. Here's the best two out of three on a neutral court. I mean, what, what could be more decisive than that so i i guess here the thought is there's a lot of important games in the sec here in the final three or four weeks and not because of nationally relevant games and not even necessarily because of games deciding the conference champion 
Alabama, if they go into Neville Arena on Saturday and, and beat Auburn, I'm going to break the news. They're going to win the SEC regular season championship. They'll probably still do it even if they lose to Auburn, uh, being that they got a two-game lead on A&M, and that I don't think you can trust A&M to ultimately finish 16-2 and two, uh, in this league, and I just don't see Alabama losing more than a couple. And, and so they're pretty close to, to clinching at least a share of this thing. Uh, but what is going to be relevant and what's going to matter and why they're going to be significant throughout the rest of the, uh, the year is that there's going to be bubble matchup after bubble matchup in this league yeah. where it's going to be really important for Mississippi State uh, and Arkansas to play, or it's going to be very important for Kentucky and Auburn potentially to play uh, in Rupp Arena. These types of games, Missouri when they're involved, Florida even though they're – uh, what thirteen and eleven overall? I saw it with you, Brooks. They were thirteen and ten coming into last night's game, and I think they were in the last four in or first yeah. four out. Yeah, which was kind of surprising, but I guess they had a better non-conference resume than some of these teams. So the moral of the story is, you're not going to get very m- many potent top ten, top twenty matchups in this league in the final three or four weeks. But what you're going to get is constantly relevant bubble games, which are going to be very nerve wracking for these teams. Involved. Oh yeah, and it, the the fan bases too. I mean, you're going to have. Uh, you know, every it, it it's you know every game is important, and we you know we've talked about that, especially for you know building resumes. Uh, but this year, especially, every game coming down the stretch uh, is going to be you know absolutely must win. Maybe not like a South Carolina, but you know it, for a team that's playing South Carolina, yeah, it's a must win because you're you can't hurt. take that battle. You, you can't yeah. take that L. Um, and so you you've got to come into every single game and. That you know that that could be you know rough. That could eliminate some teams right off the bat that they know they're coming in and it says this is a must-win game and they you know psych themselves out where it's like oh we we gotta win this game we gotta win this game and then it boom it, there's there you lose that game and then all of a sudden you know even if it's not a must-win you know if it's not necessarily out on in the resume a must-win game if it feels like it that's a big confidence blow if you lose that game and that affects the rest of the games going forward because you're like oh. We just blew that, man. That, that was our that was our shot. That was our number. And then you've got you know five more games down the stretch, and they're all important too. But if you lose a game that you're in your mind is this is a must win, like these are you know this is a, helps us with our resume. This is a must win game, and you lose that game, and you you get that confidence, you know that that hit of hit to your confidence. It, it you know it can affect you the rest of the year, and that could that could be an elimination game in it in itself in your in your own mind. So let's look real quickly at the Saturday slate in the SEC, uh, and then we'll go to break and we'll play the Mickey Dean interview again uh, and get you a preview of the Auburn softball season. But again, here's what I'm talking about: sixteen and eight Kentucky goes to fourteen and ten Georgia on Saturday. Kentucky cannot lose that game. Georgia, their record is not awful. Uh, if they had a more robust non-conference resume, they would be nearest the bubble or be an NIT team. Georgia's not very well perceived nationally. So that's not a game Kentucky can lose on the heels of losing at home to Arkansas. Uh, Ole Miss in South Carolina is a yawn fest. Have fun with that. Good luck to whoever watches that basketball game. <laughs> Uh, Vanderbilt at Florida, you mentioned that for Vanderbilt trying to continue. If Florida truly is on this bubble, which at 13-11 and 11, I still have a kind of a hard time believing, if they're truly on the bubble, they cannot, under any circumstance, I don't care what Vanderbilt just did or will do, they cannot lose to Vandy at home on their home floor and drop to 13-12 and 12 overall. That is not an NCAA tournament team. 
Tennessee hosts Missouri. If Missouri could go get that one, I think that would lock them in. That would be an excellent win. Uh, that would certainly start to send Tennessee plummeting down the top 25 rankings. But uh, a, a opportunity not – Missouri won't be hurt by that game, but they can solidify everything if they can win that game. The big one, though, for the bubble, Mississippi State and Arkansas. If Mississippi State, who, by the way, I thought was absolute trash, I'll just be honest with you, was trash uh, early in conference play, they have now won four games in a row. They are 4-7 and seven in the SEC. One of those wins was the SEC Big 12, so they, they started 1-6 in league play, or excuse me, 1-7 in league play. Now they're up to 4-7. and seven. If State can go and somehow find a way to get a road-quality victory against Arkansas, State's resume starts to, I won't say be solidified. They're not going to be solidly in the tournament, but it becomes validated. It becomes this is a real team that has a chance to make the NCAA tournament despite a poor conference record. Even if they won that game, they would be 5-7 and seven in the league. But remember, that win against TCU is a very relevant and, and nice win for them. It doesn't matter that it was at home or that TCU had an injury involved. TCU is still a top-20 team. Uh, in the country and I know they did lose earlier this week so by the end of this week they lose again they might not be in the top 25 doesn't matter at that time TCU was the number 11 team in the country there's not a lot of better wins than that for resume or for resume boosting or for teams on the bubble and then that last game this weekend that's obviously not the Alabama and Auburn game is LSU and Texas A&M uh, I expect AM to be fine despite being in LSU. LSU has been dreadful in conference play. They were pretty good in the non-conference. We saw them, you and I, and, and JJ did in Atlanta uh, when they played Wake Forest, and they looked pretty good there. But uh, and, and Wake Forest is a bubble team themselves, but for whatever reason, LSU's just been, been terrible uh, in SEC play. And so that's one, though, again, whether I, I, I value AM much more than Lenardi and, and these bracket guys do, but – if A&M's on the bubble now, if they're yeah. only one of the last four in or, or, or last four buys is the terminology, if you're just barely avoiding the, the first four, they can't lose a clunker to LSU. It doesn't matter where you play that game. Yeah. So th- those are kind of the relevant bubble games this week in the SEC. Yeah, it, it's a... It's a fun slate every single weekend. Like you said, the, the South Carolina Ole Miss game, just, you know. Yeah, just take a nap. Yeah. At what time is that game? That's, I mean, it's, it's the same time as you – listen, here's what you do. You turn on Kentucky-Georgia. You gloss over the first half of South Carolina Ole Miss, and by the yep. time the Kentucky game's over, it's time for Auburn-Alabama. Right. So you can just gloss over the second half, not even have to watch whatever's exactly. happening. Don't turn it off of ESPN is what we're saying. Um, but yeah, Kentucky, you know, like you said, must win, uh, a, a must win game this weekend for their, their, their opportunities, uh, going down the stretch. Georgia is a team that plays really well at home. They're only lost two games at home th- this whole year. And so it, it's going to be a, an interesting rematch between the two, uh, in Stegman Coliseum, Auburn, Alabama, of course, is super important, uh, not just for tournament reasons, but because of, uh, the iron bowl of basketball, um, you know, we talked about Vandy, Missouri, or Vandy in Florida, Missouri. You've got a you've got a pretty tough back to back there. If you're Missouri, you're, you're on the road at Tennessee, and then you're on the road at Auburn, and that's a quick turnaround too because that's a Tuesday night game, Valentine's night, and so you you can't uh, you can't be sleeping if you're you're walking into this uh, this quick turnaround here for for Missouri, especially if you you're looking at your tournament chances. Uh, and then, you know, if you're Texas A&M, I know, you know, like you said, they should be fine. I think they're going to be fine. But LSU's still nine and five at home this year. They they still play better, you know, play well at home. Uh, nine of their twelve wins are at home. They it was against, you know, mostly against uh, the 
weaker competition. But you know, you're you're coming off a, a win over Auburn at home that was you know highly emotional. You got a big you know you got a big conference win there. You swept Auburn. Um, you gotta you can't be going into this game think, expecting you're going to win it because like we said, anybody in the SEC can reach up and grab you and. With a nine and five team at home with the LSU team, you can't you can't overlook them when when they get to that late night game. Lenardi has not updated his bracketology since the Wednesday game, so he updated it like Wednesday early before Wednesday night's games. But keep in mind, uh, you had um, Florida get thumped by Alabama Wednesday night, and you had Mississippi State add another win to their resume against LSU. But coming into Wednesday night. Texas A&M was the last team into the NCAA tournament, according to Lenardi. They were the the bubble of all bubbles. And, again, that shocks me given their conference record, but that's what's thought of them as their overall resume. And then Mississippi State was one of the first considered teams, which means they were the 10th team out of the tournament. So they still got a little work to do. But then, again, just to show you how fluid this is for everyone, Arkansas was an eight seed. Uh, that was after the Kentucky win, so getting momentum there. But eight seed is not completely safe. You can't have a three-game losing streak and be fine. Auburn, a nine seed. We've talked about them. Missouri, a nine seed. So Missouri, same boat as Auburn. If they take care of the games they should win, they should be fine. But it would really behoove them to get one. Yeah. Get one of those 50-50 or 40-60 games uh, because they and Auburn are on the nine line. And then joining Kentucky or joining Texas A&M in the last four in – is Kentucky. So, again, Kentucky can't go to Georgia and lose. Georgia's not being considered, according to Lenardi, yeah. on this bubble. And so Kentucky can't go lose at Georgia uh, in this dire of a situation. So pretty impressive uh, amount of bubble teams in the SEC. A lot of teams sweating it out. If your seed's eight or lower, uh, then then you've got a little work to do still. Uh, and that includes Auburn. Auburn, a nine seed projected right now by Joe Lenardi, and we'll see how that continues to transpire over the next few weeks. We need to take our first break of hour number two. When we come back, the head softball coach of Auburn University, Mickey Dean, will join us again. Uh, this was a pre-recorded interview. We uh, aired this on Tuesday. We'll air it again for you right after this timeout. Stay tuned. Sports Call returns in a moment. Call. We'll be back after this quick break. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here today. And we are pleased now to go to the Auburn Bank phone line 
And joining us now is the head softball coach of Auburn University, Coach Mickey Dean. Coach, we appreciate the time, and it's here. It's time for another year of Auburn softball. We're very excited about it, and I'm sure you are too. What goes through your mind in the days leading up to the season? Well, War Eagle, and uh, thanks for having us on the show. Uh, what goes right now, we're, uh, we're really working a lot on defense, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, uh, we have conversations each day with our team about how individualized, really, that hitting and pitching is, but defense is about uh, a team uh, and, and uh, a team trying to be one. And so that's really been our focus, uh, especially last week and this week, is uh, making sure that we're in unison uh, and working as one on defense. And then, of course, we spent a lot of time uh, in January really working on the mental part of the game. Uh, you know, this is such a uh, – offensively especially, it's such a game of, of uh, failure. <laughs> uh, you know, most successful people are – are successful 35, 40% of the time. So we've really worked hard on just uh, just flushing things and, and moving to the next pitch, play the next pitch, play the next pitch. And uh, so those are the things we've been working on. And, Coach, uh, with this Clearwater Invitational coming up, this is a place that uh, your team has gone to uh, several times over the years. Coach, am I just sensing that, that the team enjoys a good beach trip to start the season, a good a good way to start playing some softball, but enjoy enjoy a little beach on the side? Well, to be honest with you, we do use it uh, to really kickstart our season, and we do uh, some team functions, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to play softball. It's a, it's, a, it's a business trip that's mixed with uh, really becoming – family and uh you know we we do a dinner cruise uh while we're there and we invite the families and extended families to join us on that cruise we usually get about 100 to 120 people and then uh and then we'll do a little beach excursion where we'll uh have dinner on the beach invite the families down and uh it's just a bonding time uh it's a bonding time um, and then you know game time we're, we're focused in it's a business trip but we're trying to we're trying to work on a couple of things for on that trip and it really makes for a nice trip it does coach i want to stay on the the topic of the schedule because that you know everybody's looking forward to this year you start off in clear waters you just talked about then you get a couple tournaments at home at jane b moorefield and then once after you hit conference play you've got a big tournament coming up here in the middle of march where you head out to okc where you play the likes of northwestern and oklahoma and weber state what went into putting together this schedule for this year well you know it's about our midway point of the season uh it's our spring break weekend uh and it's 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 a couple of things. One, it's going to Oklahoma City. Uh, it's being on that field, and it's really a desire to get back there this year. Uh, we, you know, we know we get to go there in March, and we're trying to create that burning desire to get back there uh, in late May and June. Uh, the second thing is is that uh, it's going to be a very challenging uh, tournament. You know, you're playing two teams that are probably going to be ranked in the top five or top ten. They were both in the World Series last year. And um, it's going to be a great gauge uh, midseason of where we are and who we are. So we wanted to create that challenge. We have. 
Uh, and then you have Weber State, who, who's a very good softball team, very good softball program. So it's going to be a great challenge. It's, uh, it's one that we needed to embrace. And uh, like I said, it's going to hopefully fuel us a little bit uh, there in midseason. And, Coach, this is a team that returns a lot from last season. There's going to be a lot of familiar names up and down the lineup and in the circle for you. Uh, but before we get to some of those upperclassmen and some of those players that have been around for a while, uh, take us through some of the new players on this team, Coach, that you feel might make an impact uh, early on and that fans should be very aware of. Well, you know, when it comes to newcomers, you're looking uh, to fill some, some areas. Uh that we felt we wanted to fill. One of those areas was pitching. Uh, we felt at the end of the season last year, due to injuries, uh, we were a little short-staffed. And so we wanted to make sure that we, we were able to expand that pitching uh, staff. And we did so with uh, Annabelle Elijah and uh, Isis Trisvet. Uh Both of those players also play other positions and have a – Pretty good track record with the bat. And um, so we were able to fill some void there that uh, that we know we felt we needed to fill, but also uh, really expand in our options. Uh, and, and we were able to do that with, 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 with those two sophomores. And then uh, our freshmen, um, you know, we, got, we had a pretty good class come in. We had uh, Emma Rolfe who uh, had an uh, unbelievable high school and travel ball career. She's a hard thrower. She's a great kid. Uh, she loves to learn. And, you know, I, I look forward to getting her out there against, uh, against our opponents and, and, and see how she handles that. And then, uh, of course, you have Axe Milanowski, Alexis, who was uh, all everything in high school, uh, really hits the ball hard, and has a really good glove. Uh, you know, uh, at, at the corners, she's very solid defensively and a very smart player, uh, understands the game extremely well. Uh, Millie Roberts, who plays third base, uh, and this past weekend we did some scrimmaging, had a great weekend. I think she hit like three home runs. And I've seen a lot of uh, refreshment against our pitching staff. So, uh, I, I'm, I think that's, that's everyone. I'm trying to think uh, if there are any other. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. Oh, um, you have um, uh Kayla McCrary, who uh, transferred in from Tennessee. She's a Tennessee kid. But she actually was in school here last year, and I give her a lot of credit. Uh, I didn't know if I'd see her in the fall, and uh, sure enough, she was there. And uh, she's been she's been doing a great job. We actually moved her to the outfield, and she's done a tremendous job defensively forcing the outfield. And her bat, uh, I spoke with her travel ball coach several times, and he says, I really think she's going to be able to help you offensively. And uh, I... I, I I believe him now. Uh, she swings a very good bat. And then, Coach, 
we, we mentioned you got a lot of uh, talented upperclassmen coming back. Uh, specifically, you've got a really good pitcher in Matty Pinta and a really good bat in Bree Ellis. And it seems like every single day there's another article coming out where one of the two has been named to some watch list or some some preseason All-America list. What's it feel like going into the season with uh, with those two players specifically on your team ready to go? Well, you know, it, it, it's it's what they've done, what they did last year. And, um, and, and they were able to perform as a freshman and as a sophomore in a really tough conf- conference and at a national level. And I think that, that confidence will carry over uh, because they know they can do it. And I think with them, I feel with them getting the recognition, it just shows to them that, they do have the ability to play at a very high level in a very tough conference in a really tough game. And, and hopefully they're able to carry that, that confidence forward. You know, we talk to our players all the time about being present, playing in the present and not worrying about the past so much, not worrying about the future, but playing in the present. And I think if you can get those two to do that, um, I think they'll only improve upon their performance from last year. A couple more questions with Auburn head softball coach Mickey Dean. Coach, talking about some of these seniors in particular, uh, Aspen Godwin, Lindsey Garcia, and Carly McCondishy, uh, what is it like to coach players like this throughout an entire college career, seeing them start uh, as freshmen and, and then work their way up to being uh, in leadership roles on a team and obviously factoring into the success on the field but also just kind of being leaders in, in that clubhouse? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a believer in that leaders are developed. Uh, I don't know necessarily that I believe that leaders are born. I think they're developed. Um, and those four have done a really nice job of just sitting back and watching their team and, and seeing what the team needs. Not what they need or not what they want, but more of, what does the team need? What, do, what does our teammates need? What does our program need? And they've done a really good job of that this year um, of working and paying attention to the team's needs. And that, I, I truly believe that's what great leadership is. And, and I know it's always easy uh, before you actually get into making that lineup and playing those games. Uh, but to this point, they've really done a nice job of being really great leaders uh, for this team. Big picture, Coach, as we look through the whole season, we, we've mentioned the schedule. It's always going to be difficult. There's always going to be great challenges and different tournaments, and, and obviously SEC play uh, will be difficult. But what's your overall uh, theme and message to this team as they embark on this season, Coach? And just what excites you? Uh, about the challenge ahead this year? Well, you know, when you're playing 56 games in a regular season uh, and then, you know, 73 games when you when you complete the season, the postseason and everything, um, you need to understand that, it's, that, that there's going to be some adversity. And our team will be 
and we will judge ourselves, not based upon necessarily our successes, but really how we handle our adversities. And that's really what we want to be able to, to control. Those, those, we want to control the controllables. And uh, it's easy when things are going well. You know, you're just, you're just rolling along. Everybody's going. Everything's good. But you're going to have some adversity when you play those many, that many games. You know, there's just no doubting that. And so can we keep everybody in the boat? Can we keep everybody rowing in the same direction? And can we keep everybody rowing together? And uh, when we see somebody off sync, then that, that's when we need to grab them and, 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 and really hold them tighter. And, uh, and those are some of the things that we talk about. Coach, thanks so much for the time today. We, we look forward to this season. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, and I know we're all excited to listen to the games right here on Tiger 95.9 this season uh, and all season long. Good luck this season in War Eagle, Coach. War Eagle, thanks for having us. That's Auburn head softball coach Mickey Dean joining us on this edition of Sports Call. <laughs> has been on the air since 1995. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Thursday. Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress with you here. Again, we appreciate Tigers head softball coach Mickey Dean for joining us earlier in the week. Wanted to play that again for you there because the softball team gets in action tomorrow. A 12-15 airtime right here on Tiger 95.9 as J.J. Jackson will be on the call of that one from Clearwater, Florida. 12.30 first pitch central time. Auburn will take on St. John's first. Then around 3 o'clock, they will take on Fordham, which is why we do not have a show tomorrow. And then going out throughout the weekend, uh, 10 a.m. battle Saturday against Pittsburgh. Early morning. Uh, very much so. And then Indiana is at 12.30 on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, 11.30 a.m. central, Auburn will take on Illinois, and then they will – get back on the road uh, towards Auburn after that one. So um, they come fast and, and heavy in, in softball. There's a lot of five- and six-game weekends uh, involved in Auburn softball. They'll have a couple of those invitationals. I, mean, I think maybe three of those invitationals at Jane B. Moore Field. And then we mentioned it on Tuesday and with Coach Dean, but that OKC bout against uh, – I know they got Weber State, but then – 
Northwestern for two and Oklahoma for two. Uh, that is going to be just an absolute bookmarked weekend. Uh, whether the Tigers are playing incredibly well or just okay coming into that, uh, that can change the thoughts. The, those games can change the thoughts of, of how we perceive the team. They will only have played one conference series coming in to that weekend, so we w- still won't know a whole lot. Uh, to be quite honest with you, a lot of SEC teams get kind of inflated records because of the non-conference. They're usually playing a lot of teams from the lower tiers. Uh, you know, Auburn's playing some some power conference teams in Clearwater, but n- not necessarily known for softball. And there, usually there is kind of a gap there. It's still important to win them, obviously. But they uh, a lot of SEC teams can get pretty up toward like 18 and two and 20 and three and all that non-conference play. So it'll be uh, Auburn probably have a very good record coming into that uh, if things go Coach Dean and company's way. Uh, just very excited again uh, for the softball team ranked in the top 20. We mentioned a little bit earlier that Auburn baseball is not ranked to start the year, that they're picked fifth or excuse me, sixth in the West, just a couple points behind Alabama, a few points ahead of Mississippi State. And uh, I did not ever see an SEC ranking. I don't know if you did, Brooks, in, uh, in softball, but I know Auburn preseason in the top 25, so – probably going to be okay but, but softball conference just like baseball in the sec uh can, can be pretty competitive a lot of highly rated teams and so it'll be very very interesting year uh for the tigers uh, on the diamond there out of time for hour number two when we come back the final hour of sports call this week of course you're welcome to join us at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine on our auburn make phone line But also we'll have final breakdown of Auburn and Alabama this weekend and some Super Bowl prop bets. We get you set for the Chiefs and the Eagles in the big game. And more coming up next after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call today. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show, and I've got Brooks Childress with me here. Final hour of the show for the day and for the week. Again, I'm Auburn. I'm going to cry. You're that emotional. Nah, not really. 
All right. We still got to work tomorrow. It's not like we get a day off. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, (laughs) And I would have had tears of joy if gotten along the weekend, (laughs) but uh, alas, we do not. Uh, We have other things to take care of tomorrow, but we digress. Uh, Happy to be with you here for another hour of the program. If you're just tuning in to the show today, here's what you might have missed. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Brooks, uh, what are the things we have discussed today? Well, we've talked a lot about basketball, specifically in the SEC. Uh, Auburn basketball getting set to play, face Alabama this weekend in a really, really big matchup. Probably one of the biggest uh, basketball matchups in the country this weekend. Um, we've talked a little bit about uh, Auburn softball as we replayed the interview with Mickey Dean. Uh, we, we brought it up before we went to break about where Auburn was voted in the preseason poll. I, I looked it up, found it. Auburn's picked to finish ninth in the SEC preseason poll, uh, which is voted on by the, the league uh, media members and coaches. And so uh, SEC preseason poll, Auburn picks to finish ninth, Florida picks to finish first, Tennessee second, Arkansas third, Alabama fourth, and rounding up top five LSU in fifth, and I think Auburn plays three of those top five teams this year. I know they play Alabama and LSU, and I think they play Florida. They get to avoid Tennessee and Arkansas, though. So uh, that's nice. You play uh, eight SEC series in softball, yeah, uh, totaling twenty-four games. You play ten series, totaling thirty games in baseball. And I, again, I believe one was it Vanderbilt that does not have softball. Yeah, Vanderbilt does not have uh, softball. So thirteen SEC schools. So you play eight of the twelve. Yep. So two-thirds of the league you do not see, and roughly on par with that, two-fifths of the top five uh, Auburn does not see. So, yeah, we talked about softball, and um, we've, uh, we've, we've had some lively discussions so far today. We've talked to some, uh, some great callers so far today, and we'd love to hear from you uh, for this final hour. Uh, of sports call for the week because it i mean it's the last time you can call in for the week to get your thoughts in on this auburn alabama game yep or this super bowl which we are about to head into now the big game the big game which everyone has to say that doesn't have a rights agreement if they're advertising that sort of thing they don't have a rights agreement with the nfl these super bowl prop bets let's get into them Uh, we'll break down a little bit of the game by some of these prop bets some of these are silly they pertain to the outcome of the game in no way. And some of them kind of lead you towards an outcome, depending on where you pick it. Let's start silly, though. Let's start with a couple of game or a couple prop bets here that, that have much to do about nothing. Uh, some of the favorite topics of the game by the broadcasters, what, how the broadcasters always uh, relate to things. This game is on Fox, and I think that is relevant because joining the Fox booth in approximately two years is now the recently retired Tom Brady. So there's an over-under on how many times will Tom Brady be mentioned in this game. The over-under is one and a half. Well, you know that he's going to be at least mentioned once because the last time the, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, it was against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And so you're at least going to get one. Uh, you're at least going to get one mention when they when they throw it back to the last time th- these two teams were in the Super Bowl. And of course, the last time the uh, Kansas City Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, 
was, was also against Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yep. And so I, I would I would hammer the over. It's, it's one and a half because you're going to have the 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 two throwbacks. The last time the Eagles were here, it was against Tom Brady. Or unless they play it like this, it's like well, the last time both of these teams were in the Super Bowl. It was against Tom Brady, right? Um, and so you could, I guess, you could parry that into one. But then they're also going to mention him joining the broadcast booth, probably. Uh, and so I, I would probably say over, over the one and a half. I lean over to uh, the clarification. I hate to be such a nerdy nerd here. Uh, is I would want to know what quantifies as a mention. Like if That's I, true. if I'm talking about him in the same sentence, like if I say, you know. The last time the Kansas City Chiefs played was against Tom Brady when he was a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, they beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Is that two mentions because you said his name twice? Or is that, since that's like a long sentence, is that one mention? That, But either way, I'm going to go over two because I do think the relevance there. I think they could easily just bring him up of some statistics, some Super Bowl record oh, yeah. that Brady has that, that if either of these guys, I don't know if he has, he has the individual game mark too because of the 500 pass yards in the Philadelphia game, doesn't he? I, I think that's the most pass yards in I the think so. Super Bowl. I'd have to double check that. But just any records that Brady has could be in play. And the, there's a lot of ways to reference him. I don't know if they'll reference the, the booth dynamic. Maybe uh, this feels like an over for me too. How many times does Roger Goodell, the commissioner and the bearer of the shield, how many times is he shown in this game? Over, under, one and a half. Well, you know he's going to be shown once in the post game at, at when he's handing out the to trophy. Be technical, yeah. So what you're betting on here, I guess, unless it's it's you know you you cut it off after the game is over and don't count the post game. This is again gets down to the technical. Do you when you're saying that? Do you count? Uh, the post game where he hands the trophy off, or is it? Uh, do you just have the you know just in? Do you have the whole TV broadcast? Um, so what you're you know if if it's the way where it's the whole TV broadcast where you go to the post game, you're going to see him once handing out the trophy. Um, so you're what you're betting on is you find him in in his suite wherever that is in in Glendale, Arizona. If you get a camera shot of him up there. And so, you know, I think that's a strong possibility that you get you, you get at least two mentions there because I, I'm sure they're going to find a second one because he's going to be sitting next to some big celebrity who knows who it is. You know, it'd be fun. You know what would be phenomenal is if it was at the Super Bowl, you got the shot of the of Roger Goodell sitting in his booth and right next to him is Tom Brady and then you get two, two of those mentions out at the exact same time. Um, but yeah, I think I think two or, uh, the one and a half. I think it, it. I say it's an easy over, but you you know you just never. Do you know. think more Brady or Goodell? Ooh, probably more Brady. Men- yeah, because I he's got more, more Super Bowl. Like he, he's got more history in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I can see a world where this is one again. If we're counting the post game, yeah, Kamish is going to be up there. Also, does it so, does it count if you show a flashback to him? Like if it shows them on, you know, they, they're going through the the path for these two quarterbacks to get here, and it shows Goodell announcing their you know their names on draft night. Does that would, count as a show? I would say no. I would say it'd have to be current. I think they're talking about just like showing them during the broadcast, which is why to be technical, maybe they don't count the post game. But I mean, he'll be on the broadcast, so yeah, I think. I think they'll show him twice. I think they'll show. I think they'll show him once during the game, and he'll be ir- like somehow sitting beside Rihanna or something. And then they'll show him obviously after the game. So yeah. that's why they'll get to two. All right, this one is a very specific to this Super Bowl game. I mean, not that 
Brady isn't because obviously there's relevance there. But will Brittany Mahomes or Donna Kelsey be shown first? Brittany Mahomes is the wife of Patrick Mahomes. Donna Kelsey is the mom of Jason and Travis Kelsey. You, If you've watched any media coverage of the Super Bowl leading up to it, you have seen her interviewed or seen her talked about. She's been all over the place. I'm going to go ahead and insert here. I think Brittany Mahomes is old news. <laughs> I, I no, no disrespect to her. Mahomes, Patrick's been here a few times. We all know who the wife of Patrick Mahomes is. She will be there. The annoying brother Jackson will be there. Yeah. And they will be shown at some point. But Donna Kelsey is the new story here. They're going to show her probably 12 times oh, during yeah. this broadcast. It's Donna Kelsey. Oh, yeah, because no matter which team's got the ball, uh, one of them is going to – like yep. whoever's got the ball first is like, here comes uh, you know, the, the this brother, and then they're going to show mom in the stands crying and be like, oh, this is <laughs> – the greatest move of my life i mean i'm, I'm not making fun of it, but like you know, that's what right. it's gonna be um and so i think you know I'm, I'm with you i think donna kelsey she's the new the new story the brothers playing each other in the super bowl uh, as players that's gonna be because uh, i don't know I, I think it was you know back in when it was the the harbaugh brothers coaching against each other they kept showing jack and his wife up yeah. in the stands quite a bit because it was you know brothers facing off in the biggest game of, of the year and so it's got to be donna kelsey i'm going to be upset if it's Brittany mahomes first right now now who's last that might tell you who wins the super bowl Ooh. right because just saying who's the last one to be shown might be uh some confetti falling at that point but yeah, Donna Kelsey is going to be shown early and often. I'm pretty confident about that. couple more before we get into some game ones. Um, this one's funny to me. Will Andy Reid competing in the punt pass kick contest be shown? How many times have you watched a Chiefs game <laughs> and you've seen big old Andy Reid, who already looks like he's worked his way through a buffet, participating in the punt pass and kick contest? He's like two feet higher then all those other kids, and they show him, and he's got that old Rams thing on, old Rams helmet, and he's participating in that contest. How many times do they not show that? That's They show it all yeah. the time. Uh, that's a good one. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you're, you're, you know, you're doing a bad job as a producer if you don't show that. I mean, it's like the Super Bowl for kids. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be shown doing that. You, that's an iconic picture. Yeah, I think so too. I, and you know what's funny is as much as they had, I, I made it sound like I'm getting tired of it. I'm not tired of it. That no. p- picture is always hilarious. Uh, not ever would have assumed that guy would have become one of the best coaches in the NFL. Uh, and plenty of jokes about food. They gifted him what that hamburger after the after the <laughs> game few weeks back I, I don't remember the context if it was his birthday or, or a milestone win or, or what the context was but they gave him a hamburger after the game that part of it is always hilarious uh with andy reed all right here's a classic one we got two more and then i like i said we'll go to some game ones length of the national anthem this one's the most perennial one you could do this any year and the i found a couple different over-unders one was like a minute 35, and that felt long for an over-under. Yeah. So I did the one that I saw that was a minute 25, 85 seconds over-under. Do you know who's singing the National See, Anthem? See, I don't know. I, I looked it up because okay. I saw this on here. It's going to be Chris Stapleton. Oh, okay. I, you know, Chris Stapleton, like he's, he's, he's not a fast singer. No. I, I think it's over. I think you got to go with the over the, the minute 25. I, he's, you know, he, although... 
he could get on the guitar, you know, solo guitar it and start going and just start, you know, he does. He's not one that I think would pause anywhere. There's some uh -huh. singers that'll get there and you know they'll pause, and then they'll let it sit for the the notes sit for a second, then they'll keep going. I don't think he pauses, but he's his. If you listen to his music, it's not a quick tempo. There's not a lot yeah. of party songs in there. Um, I think I think you got to go over. I agree. We're going over for all this, uh, which. <laughs> Surely it can't be that way, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. Got a little twang to him. Got a little soul in there. Uh, I think he extends the words out enough. Uh, would you take a minute thirty-five over too? I would say I would say probably like a minute and a half, minute okay. thirty-five, something like that. Because okay. I don't, like I said, I don't think he's going to pause anywhere. I, uh -huh. He's not one of the singers that's like. You know, for the land cool. of the free, like he doesn't do that. That's oh, that's I'm sorry, beautiful. He he doesn't he he he's not going to hold the note. He's going to get through it, but just his cadence of singing is not one that's going to lend itself to a quick anthem. After you leave work tonight, I'm going to go find the podcast, pull that, <laughs> make it a hot key, and we'll start every show with just a couple seconds of Brooks singing, singing oh, national goodness. anthem. That's how we'll. Start the show from now on. Oh, no. Love that. All right. Color of the Gatorade bath. This I get a little scientific on. All right. I'll go first. Well, Kansas City is a dominantly red team. Okay. They're they're going to have red Gatorade, I feel like. Uh, maybe yellow. They're, but they're not going to have green or blue. You know? Yeah. And for Philadelphia... Does anyone like green Gatorade, by the way? I don't way? think I've ever seen green Gatorade Does get it, dumped the, on anybody. I, so that, for me, takes that part of it out. So they're going to have something more generic, but it won't be Kansas City's color. I'm going to go blue for the Eagles if they win, and the Chiefs will have red. And this, I have to give away who I'm picking to win this game, technically. No, I don't. I'm no, not going to do that yet. I'm just going to. I'm going to leave it at that. Right. Blue if the Chiefs win. Red if the Chiefs. Or excuse me. Red if the Chiefs win. Blue if the Eagles win. You see, this is where my my um, expertise. I say expertise. My time with Auburn football comes into factor. Um, the two flavors or the two colors that are most often used is yellow and orange because those two are the ones with the least amount of sugar in them, oh. and it's just a lot more electrolytes. But the Chiefs, I have seen the Chiefs use red before. Uh-huh. And so... Maybe I should have gone yellow for the my, Eagles. My yeah. first initial thought when I looked down at this, and just the color that I thought was blue, that was the first color that jumped in my mind was blue. It's my favorite. <laughs> but the more I think about it, the more I'm going to... I think I'm going to go yellow, because that is that is the baseline. That's the one yeah. that's the least amount of sugar in it. It's the most... You know, you're, you just need the electrolytes uh, to, to get rehydrated. I, I think yellow, just... Just thinking about my my limited knowledge of Gatorade, besides how it tastes, I think yellow gets gets the see. That's I think my heart was going too heavy on the taste there. But you're right. I mean they're they're not worried about taste on the sideline. They're worried about effectiveness, especially in Glendale, Arizona, where it's already you know even though it's you know February, it's still a little bit warmer than other places. Well, yeah, they, they've got the they've got the dome though. That's or, true. Or the, the, the retractable roof. I shouldn't downgrade it to a dome. They can they can move the roof, I believe, but. Um, yellow is the most common. You're right. I just, I don't know. I, 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 if I were a coach, I would, I would tell them to have my favorite Gatorade on standby so that they can, uh, 
shower me with that and I can at least get a sip or two on the way down. Would you if, if you if you could choose what you got showered in, would it be Gatorade or would you have like an extra bucket on the sideline of like something else? Uh to be technical, I know this is no fun, but probably water. Just because water? You I joke about getting a sip. Okay, you might get a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But really it's just gonna be on you. True. And if it's a soda, it's going to be sticky. Yeah. So I might like every great Coke, um, every flavor of Coke. Had a 32-ounce Coke at the movies last night, vanilla Coke to be exact. But you don't want that on your skin and on your body, just sticking to you. And Gatorade would be a little sticky, I think. It wouldn't, yeah. be, wouldn't be as bad as soda, but it could. I guess maybe the flavor would matter. Yeah. Maybe the sugar content would matter. Water though is not gonna stick to you. I think so. I, I would do. Wa- I'd be no fun and do water. I think water for me, but also if you told me I couldn't pick water, I'd shout out to our uh, podcast sponsor. I would go uh, cherry vanilla Coke. There you go. Coca Cola taste the feeling. The proud sponsor of our sports called podcast. Let's transition into a few actual game um, prop bets here. So. We'll start to get into, I guess, the, I mean, this will help us break down the game in a way. But this one um, is interesting to me because this is like if you – the Super Bowl is known to have some trick plays here. Yeah. And also we this can happen in another way too. I'll bring up over under two and a half players to attempt to pass. Now, normally you would say most likely just two players because yeah. Mahomes and Hurts. Uh, but – Okay, you want to play the angle of both are nursing minor injuries. Hopefully they don't re-aggravate them. And by the way, not even aggravate them to the point that they can't continue to play overall, but that they need a play to retape the ankle or tighten something up. You know, they can miss a play, and then what if the quarterback throws there? Or, uh, as we've known in, in Super Bowls, plenty of trick plays. Yeah, especially with the Eagles. Right, especially with the Eagles. It's happened before. Uh, if they wanted to, if Kansas City wanted to uh, get wild with Mahomes and throw, I mean, I don't know if they'd throw him the ball on his bad ankle, but then again, you never know it was coming. So over under two and a half players to attempt to pass. Gosh, yeah, you really are either you're you really are betting on either quarterback getting hurt or there's a trick play run. Um, let's. I'm trying to think. The uh, I don't know. I would. <sighs> Just because of their history, I know it was a different coaching staff. Because of their history, and because you know, it you you would think you know you're, you're looking at it. You're facing the you know if you're the Eagles, you're facing the Chiefs. Um, I'd go uh, I'd go over and say say there's a, a a trick play thrown in there somewhere. I will I will take a contrarian approach. Finally, we'll finally <laughs> disagree. I'll say under just because it seems like such a no brainer. And part of it being a trick play is for you to be caught completely off guard. Thinking to that Patriots and Eagles Super Bowl, uh, they threw Brady a pass in that game. Yeah. Uh, famously nicked right off his fingertips. And that's shocking. You know, that's a play you don't expect. The, the, the quote-unquote Philly special, which has been done by other teams, not just Philly, but yet we call it Philly special, um, was a surprising play down at the goal line there. But I I feel like the element, especially with I especially with Philadelphia, 
of course they might try their own Philly special or they might try something again. So I'm going to say that they don't put that in the game plan because it's going to be a little bit less surprising than a normal trick play. All right, first offensive play from scrimmage. This one's just kind of lame to me. It's kind of like the coin toss. Yeah. It's 50-50, okay? They're not going to take a knee. By the way, it counts a run. <laughs> They're not going to spike the ball. It counts a pass. You're running or you're passing. It's 50-50. I guess the only angle why I want to do this and not the coin toss is if you're a coordinator, Brooks, Yeah. do you want to start off with a big play-action deep ball with one of these really good arms? Or you just want to get in the game a little bit, try and get four or five yards and, and just get get off to a decent start? I think it depends on which team I, I would be the coordinating for. If I'm the Chiefs, we've been here before. You know, this I'm not going to say it's not a big deal, but like this is not our first time here. We've been here several times. We've won one of these things before. Um, I start out with the pass. I think you try to hit Travis Kelsey early, try to get him involved, you know, right off the bat, just go right to your bread and butter. If you're the Eagles, a lot of this team hasn't been to the Super Bowl before, especially your quarterback has not been in the Super Bowl before. Now, Jalen Hurts has played in a couple national title games and has been on some of the biggest stages in college football, but this is the first time in the Super Bowl. This is a different level. I think if you're the Eagles, you start off with a, a run, try to ease everybody into the game, and then you 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 start taking your shots. You start you know throwing the ball around. If you're the you're the Chiefs, I think you you air it early because you're like we've been here before. We're you know last time we were here we lost. We're not doing that this time. We're just going to zip this ball out here. I am going to go nice little Isaiah Pacheco run off right guard for like six yards. All right. I don't know why I'm being that specific. <laughs> I could have said either. I mean the Chiefs might not get the ball first, uh, but I'm going to go run. I think there'll be plenty of passing in this football game, and I think there'll be times where they'll, if you're Philly, you're going to want to get Jalen Hurts involved in the run game. I don't think that's necessarily the first drive of the game. And I think if you're Kansas City, I don't think you want to make Mahomes start running all over the place the very first drive of the game. Not trying to say you play a Super Bowl safe, you can't do that all day. But I'm just saying, you you know that you have guys that, while I think they can perform up to their 100% level, Health-wise, they're not technically 100%, and you don't want that to be aggravated from the get-go. So I think they'll try and run the ball a little bit more in the early part of the game than ultimately they will if it's an even game later. Two more, then we need to take our, our next break. This one, first team to score a touchdown, and I think this one kind of plays into the luck of getting the ball first, yeah. if you're guessing. But also, if you think this game is headed towards – a higher scoring game, yeah. or if you think it'll be a little bit lower scoring with these defenses, especially Philadelphia's being uh, really adept at rushing the passer, because if you think it's going to be low scoring, it really doesn't matter who gets the ball first, because yeah. it, it you might not have your first touchdown. I mean, you know, Brooks, the Patriots played a million Super Bowls and never scored <laughs> for a yep. touchdown in the first quarter. So this is not always indicative of how the game will, will go in totality or if it will be high scoring, but... Um, I'm going to go first here. I'm going to say that the experienced Kansas City team will score first. I will not be contrarian, and I will say the same thing. I think Kansas City scores first. Um, yeah, and you got to you know think about the team that's been there before, and they're not going to be not a lot of nerves going up. I mean, there's going to be nerves, but not the same amount of nerves as probably on the Eagles side. I think with this one too, I think it would be more significant if Philly scored first because. 
Philly is the perceived favorite, although I would argue it should still be pretty much even. I, I, I personally don't see much difference in the teams. We saw a graphic earlier today. Both teams, 16-3, and three, scored the exact same amount of points this year, have six all-pros, uh, a very even chance to win according to ESPN metrics. These are, in my opinion, they're different, but just in how good they are as a football team, I think they're very even. They, they do different things well, but it amounts to a very even matchup in my estimation. And so I think it's more significant if Philadelphia scores first because they're the team with a newer group of players. Yeah, they won a Super Bowl a few years ago, as we keep alluding to. Nick Foles was having a, a dream run at yeah. that point. That team was very different than this team, whereas Kansas City, the core is all the same. I mean, I know it's not Tyree Kill, but... You still have the Mahomes-Kelsey dynamic. Your best defensive players are still like Chris Jones and, and all that uh, up front. A lot more is similar about Kansas City than when they went two years ago, certainly, and then even when they won compared to when Philly won. So I think it's more significant at Philadelphia, the team that should be a little less experienced, is the one to come out firing. All right, last one. Field goal over under. This is something Steve kind of brought up in a roundabout way. Field goal over under 46 and a half yards. It's a pretty long field goal. There's strategy involved in this. Harrison Butker's the kicker for Kansas City. I think coming into the year, probably would rate him as a top five kicker in the NFL. It's been a little banged up this year. He has not been himself. And then Jake Elliott, I was looking up the stats as Steve was talking about 20 of 23 this year. And he had a long, I think, of either 56 or 57. So Jake Elliott has a big leg. But he's only kicked 23 times in, in the 17 regular season games. They didn't need him to kick a lot. So, Brooks, do you think uh, there will be – basically this is asking, will there be a long field goal made in this game? I think so because, I, I you know, we, we've talked about it. I do kind of like the Philadelphia defense, and I think that they could get a stop. Uh, they could, you know, hold Kansas City uh, – not the Kansas City drive it, but then hold them uh, back, you know, back in their own territory, you know, right there just on the cusp of – Eagles territory uh I, I think I think so I think there's there's gonna be a long field goal from at least Harrison Butker I think he he's gonna nail one uh from some distance because I think that that Philadelphia defense is at least gonna get one one or two stops uh on the game and make them kick a field goal I like your thought process there because here's the dynamic that has to occur okay in this go fourth and go for it age if it's fourth and three or less from say the okay, let's talk forty-seven yards or over from about the thirty-yard line to the forty-yard line. If it's fourth and three or less, these teams are going for it. So yeah. what you kind of need is a sequence of incomplete passes or a sequence where you get to the twenty-five, you have third and eight, third and nine, and you get sacked. Yeah. And who produces the sacks? Well, the Eagles produced the most sacks in the NFL this year by fifteen in the regular season. So I can see Kansas City driving inside the 30, and then Mahomes getting sacked back to the 30 or the 35, having to kick a 50-yard field goal. That's where Butker comes in. I don't think there's much difference between Elliott or Butker, but I just think that scenario for Kansas City having to settle for a long field goal attempt. And also remember, Philadelphia, look, they only kicked 23 field goals. There's two reasons for that. One, their offense is good. Two, their coach is aggressive. So again, the fourth and short stuff, maybe even fourth and medium, depending on game situation, Nick Sirianni is going to go for it. Uh, he is not going to be bashful about that. Need to take our next break of the show. When we come back, we'll give our final Super Bowl pick, break it down as a game. Fun right there doing Super Bowl prop bets. And then 
Also, after the Super Bowl, final prediction, our final prediction for Auburn and Alabama in Neville Arena this Saturday. This week of Sports Call starting to wrap up. We'll be right back. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is what? My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress. Final 10 or 15 minutes of the show today and for the week. You're darn right it is. And, uh, Brooks, are you mentally prepared for the, the last segment or so here of the of the show? Well, yeah, because it's not Friday. If this was Friday, the last you know few minutes of the show, ain't no way that I would be – I'd, I'd have been checked out already. But since it's Thursday and we still have to come to work tomorrow, I, I can't mentally check out until at least uh, – what checks watch? Four, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock tomorrow. So still dialed in then. Yeah. See, I, I think that it is – I'm actually a li- – I'm a little bit the opposite. I, I, I'm under the impression, oh, last show of the week means about to have some time off and uh, would be let down if I let myself go down that road. Uh, if you're just joining us, we just went through some Super Bowl prop bets. And if you missed that and want to listen to it again, you can check out the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. And again, you can get that podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and our Tiger communications app. Let's give some final predictions for the Super Bowl, and then we will give some final predictions for the Auburn and Alabama game on Saturday. Uh, Brooks, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you just kind of think is the – thing to watch out here for and who, who do you ultimately have winning the game i think some things to watch out for is you know we, we've talked all week and we, we've we've talked about it I, the the eagles defense is good the eagles defense is really good um but the kansas city offense is really good and i know we, we've mentioned on several different you know segments and interviews with folks this week uh the both quarterbacks kind of battling injuries uh for this um for this game but having two weeks off to get a little bit better it, it feels like you know they're they're going to be okay and it it's it's going to be a, i think it's going to be a big offensive explosion i think there's going to it's going to be a high scoring game um if you're the if you're the eagles or if, if you're the eagles your biggest concern is shutting down patrick mahomes obviously if you are the 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 chiefs Obviously, you know, shutting down Jalen Hurts is is big, 
But if you can also if you can get out there and you can shut down uh, Miles Sanders and AJ Brown, I think you're going to have a much easier day winning, uh, much easier time winning this football game. If you can shut down those two guys uh, uh, for the Eagles and make Jalen Hurts himself beat you, he's capable of doing it. But if you can take away two of his biggest weapons, uh, it, it can it can lead to a, a good day for your defense and a good day for the Chiefs. Right now, you know, I, I just looked at it. Spread is minus one and a half favor to the Eagles. The ESPN uh, matchup predictor has it 51.8% lean toward the Chiefs. Um, it's, it's even. It, it's pretty even. We looked. We, we were at lunch today, and the, the TV was showing how even these teams are uh, in, in several different cat- categories. This, this could be one of the uh, a really all-time great Super Bowl in terms of the game action and, and the play of the game. I'm going to lean toward the team that has won a Super Bowl. Both of them have um, <laughs> recently. I'm going to lean toward the team that's been to the Super Bowl uh, a couple times here in the last few years. Won one against the, the 49ers and lost one to the Buccaneers. I think the, the Kansas City Chiefs get that Super get, get another one. Uh, Andy Reid gets gets another Super Bowl. You know, it's it's Andy Reid facing his old team that he got to the Super Bowl and lost it uh, with Donovan McNabb and the, and, and the Eagles to the Patriots. Um, I think he gets the job done. I think he beats his old team and says, you, you know, shouldn't have gotten rid of me. I've, I've won two Super Bowls now. You know, I, I think the narrative, and we're all responsible here, the, the, all, the, the narrative is always so teeter-totter. Okay, when Mahomes... Uh, got into the league his first couple of seasons it was wow this is the coolest thing we've seen at quarterback and there's nothing quite like him and the sky's the limit well those are true statements and then over the last couple of years some other guys kind of stole back some spotlight whether it was the old guard of Brady and Rodgers dueling it out in the playoffs a couple of years ago, Slash dueling it out for the MVP uh, last year in the NFC in the 2021-22 season, or whether it was the emergence of Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow in the NFC. And Mahomes, in a sense, despite his spectacular play, got a little bit less talked about. And sometimes that's natural, but it was more, it was not that people started disrespecting Mahomes, but it was maybe just, putting him in the back of the mind instead of the forefront and, and focusing on other guys, which, again, is not entirely unfair. But I think when you are as great as Mahomes, that bothers you. And I think this year has been about reminding people why you fell in love with him in the first place and why he is the best quarterback in the league right now. Now, people run with that and they say oh does that mean he's going to be the best of all time i don't know that <laughs> there's a that's a long road yeah and it's a road that will not be fully traveled for another 10 or 15 years so let's not do the legacy stuff this game is not about mahomes's legacy or about the budding emergence of jalen hurts legacy no legacies are on the line here in this super bowl these guys are not at the end of their careers but i think this year has been some sort of Hey, remember me year from Patrick Mahomes, and he's been doubted a little bit more this year than he has at other times in his career, uh, not being the favorite favorite here. A lot of people not picking them to beat Cincinnati, on, even on their home field. I was one of those people. 
I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. I think there's nothing quite like a fired-up superstar. He's playing through an injury. You see how bad he wants it. Of course, they all want it, but there's always some guys that have that extra 5 or 10%, and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to will his team. I think this is going to be a very competitive game. I think the Eagles will sack Mahomes a few times. I think there will be adversity. This will not be a clean sweep for the Chiefs, but I do think that when the game is on the line in the fourth quarter, you can trust Patrick Mahomes to get it done. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have had a hell of a year, and I think they'll play some pretty good football on Sunday, but I'm going to take Mahomes late in a one-possession win for Kansas City. All right, real quickly, four or five minutes left in the show today. Transitioning now to Auburn and Alabama inside of Neville Arena. Saturday, 1 o'clock, college game day will be here. Be very exciting. A great atmosphere will be sold out. Uh, we saw ticket prices are in the hundreds. Uh, hundred some hundred something for standing room, almost three hundred to get a butt in a seat. Uh, so very expensive ticket. Auburn's had a couple of heartbreakers as of late. I think this one will be close. Brooks, what does Auburn need to do at the very end to figure out a way through? I know that's a tough question. We yeah. all are are trying to figure out the answer to it. I know Bruce Pearl and company want to too, but. What in your mind would make the difference here late in a game against Alabama? Usually when I'm when I'm previewing matchups, and I'm sure people have been able to pick up on this, I'll throw out a couple key players for each team and I'll be like, hey, that's who you gotta shut down. Well, I, I say you've got to sh- shut down Brandon Miller, which is which would be great if you if you did that if you were Auburn. If you could shut down Brandon Miller for the game, that would be phenomenal. But like we talked about earlier, I talked about earlier, there's been a few games this year where Brandon Miller has, you know, not played his best basketball, and somebody else for them, uh, for Alabama, has stepped up and has had big games. Uh, Sears has had big games. You've had Betiaco have a couple big games. Um, it, it's it's just, there. there's guys on that roster. that it's, That's, a, you know, top to bottom, it's a really good roster up in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and if you just shut down Brandon Miller, it's... It, you know, you're like, cool, we shut down Brandon Miller, but guess what? This guy can score, and this guy can score, and this guy can play really good defense. It, it's you, you can't just shut down one guy and expect to win a, win the basketball game. Uh, if you're Auburn, when you look at this game, I think that you need to have uh, you need to have a, a great game from Wendell Green. I think he needs to play the entire game like he played for uh, most of that game against Texas A&M. Uh, I think Janai Broom needs to have a big game. Specifically for Auburn as a team, play better defense. Don't foul as much. Don't send Alabama to the free throw line. And take advantage of your crowd. You've got the home crowd there. They're going to be amped up. Pearlville is back this weekend. They're they're the the students are going to be so you know just absolutely out of their minds from dawn when and whenever they can get into that arena to the end of that game. They're going to be out of their minds. Take advantage of that. You're at your home. This is your chance to knock off a top five team. For me, I, I talked about it a little bit in the first hour. I think it's rebounding. There cannot be a significant gap on the glass. Alabama top twenty in the country in offensive rebounding and rebounding margin. I think that's got. You don't have to win the rebounding battle. You just have to keep it neutral. And then with the three point ball, okay, Alabama's going to win that battle. But do they win the three point battle hitting twelve threes compared to three, or is it nine compared to seven? Is it 15 compared to five? You know, what kind of margin is there? Bama's going to shoot a lot of threes, and, and they're going to run good offense. But it's 
getting those margins smaller so that you can make things like the turnover battle matter. And you can make, hopefully, you can get to the line a little bit more. Now, Alabama does that well, too. But this one is in Auburn. You fit. You figure the referees will give the 50-50 calls potentially to Auburn. That is not really how it should work. 50-50 calls should go to 50% of one team and 50% of the other. But we know college basketball, we know refs are influenced by crowds, and we know that a lot of times the refs do favor the home team a little bit. It's called home cooking for a reason. Uh, and so you figure that Auburn can be very even with with Alabama in free throw shot and that sort of thing. So it's limiting what Alabama does well, keeping them within reason on their three ball and on the glass. Give yourself a chance to win late. This time you're at home. You've lost these close games on the road. The one loss for Auburn, even though it wasn't pretty at home, Auburn didn't have a chance to win the last two or three minutes. I think that's a different story if Auburn has a chance to win the last two or three minutes against Alabama. All right, time for Nightly TV Guide to end the week. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what we got? Uh, in the basketball world tonight, no movies for you this evening. College basketball leading your night off at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. It is, or yeah, ESPN2. It's Iowa visiting number one, Purdue. 6 o'clock ESPNU, Gardner-Webb visits Radford. 7 o'clock on FS1, Northwestern visits, Iowa, Northwestern visits Ohio State. Almost said Iowa State. 8 o'clock ESPN2, San Francisco visits Gonzaga. 8 o'clock ESPNU, Southern Indiana visits Tennessee Tech. Some good mid-major basketball there. Late night FS1 at 9 o'clock, Arizona State visits Stanford. Uh, hockey action night, 6 o'clock ESPN, Colorado visits Tampa Bay. Good hockey matchup there. 6.30 tonight, NBA action. Bulls visit the Nets on TNT, followed up at 9 o'clock by the Bucks visiting the Lakers. LeBron is out tonight with an ankle injury. No new guys are going to be there tonight, so it, it could get... A little it, leaner, yeah. It could get a little lean. And then women's college basketball action for you tonight. 8.30 on ESPN. Stanford visits Arizona, a big one in the women's side of things. And, of course, the number one team in the country inside Neville Arena tonight at 7 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus and over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. And that is a look at your the TV guy brought to you by friends at White Claw Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks, for being here this week. We'll see you next week. See ya. And uh, we thank all those who tuned in and called in again throughout the show today and this week. For Brooks Childers, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday evening. Again, we're off tomorrow. Enjoy Auburn softball, Auburn basketball, and we'll talk to you on Monday.